Hello, I'm Samantha Reid, CEO of Chemistry Australia, the national body representing Australia's chemistry industry. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Chemistry for Life podcast series, where we discuss the latest developments and opportunities for the business of chemistry. With me today is Robert Moran, Chair of Plastic Stewardship Australia and Business Manager at Lionel Bissell Australia. We also have our very own Peter Burry, who's Director of Strategy, Energy and Research at Chemistry Australia. Thank you both for joining me today. Now, the topic of plastics and recycling has become a significant issue both here in Australia and around the globe. Uh, so today we're here to talk about the upcoming National Plastics Summit, which is being held in Canberra on the 2nd of March. This one-day event will bring together delegates from industry, government, academia and communities to find solutions to address Australia's plastic waste and identify actions for government and industry. Chemistry Australia and Plastic Stewardship Australia will be at the event to both represent the industry and help chart a course towards ending plastic waste. So Rob, I'd like to start with you today and I'd like to ask you a bit about Plastic Stewardship Australia, how it came about and what, what's it for? Yeah, well, Plastic Stewardship Australia is, a, is an initiative of Chemistry Australian members who recognise the great benefits of plastics uh, that, that plastics bring to society benefits such as delivering clean potable water and the reduction of food wastage but it, but we also recognize that plastics doesn't belong in the environment and we want to be part of the solution uh, to that so our, our aim is to help communities industry and government develop solutions to support the sustainable use and recovery of plastics in australia plastic stewardship australia is working closely with policymakers to help australia use plastics more sustainably and recover plastics at their end of use, uh, end of life. So we're, we're really pleased to be invited to the National Plastic Summit and are really looking forward to it. And Sam, from an association's point of view, the industry's had a real zeal and commitment uh, to plastic sustainability. For around 30 years, there's been a range of initiatives. Uh, currently, because of the ban uh, on China importing plastics, there is a new round of challenges that the, that the industry has to face. And the Plastic Steward Australia initiative uh, helps industry uh, bring together that zeal and that commitment uh, and to play their part in helping resolve a complex problem. Mm. So what are your thoughts generally on plastic waste? Um, And I'll let either of you go first, but how do you see industry responding to to that increasing community concern that we're seeing about the amount of waste that's ending up in the environment? Well, if I could just go first i mean plastic plastic waste should actually be a resource that we utilize through recycling programs plastic doesn't belong nor should it be found in the environment um what we need to look at is is how plastic gets into the environment and address that um um, we share this we, we share the community's deep concerns about this issue and we're committed to working with government with community uh industry stakeholders to find a, a solution to address this Certainly the issues around plastic waste are quite tangible. There's the other issue of waste, that is there's a lot of waste food and there's a lot of waste resources that using plastics more sustainably can actually help address. And on the other hand, uh, plastic pellets get into the waterway, which shouldn't be the case, and plastic products at the end of their life get into the waterways and that shouldn't be the case as well. So our industry's position is pretty clear. Plastics is a valuable resource, doesn't belong in the ocean, doesn't belong in the environment. Hmm. Absolutely. 
So how has plastic become so important to our way of life? Some might ask, why why can't we just ban it? And I know I have lots of conversations in my local community and with friends and family about why we just can't ban it. And Peter, I know you've been preparing for the summit on Monday next week. And I know you've collated some compelling information which puts the global reality in perspective. So can you talk a little bit about, about that? Yeah, thanks, Sam. Humans make new materials to solve new problems. And uh, the United Nations tell us that by 2050, we'll grow our population from about 7.7 billion to about 10 billion people. That's a 13% increase. Everything that we use will increase water, timber, minerals uh, and energy increases are all going to go up at a time that we need to get our global emissions down. We know that plastics, because it's lightweight and it's durable, uh, help solve significant problems. If we didn't use plastics, the research is in uh, and we end up with more material, more waste and more greenhouse gas emissions as a result. So using plastics in the, in the right way helps solve some of those sustainability problems, but it's important that we clean up um, the mess that products are caused at their end of life. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things that I always think, think, think about um, is we, we talk about unnecessary plastics um, and I work for a plastics uh, company and I remember I remember the first time I saw the uh, the shrink wrapped cucumber in the supermarket and and I thought that's that's a bridge too far uh, yeah, yeah I mean but but I, I went I went and did some research um, I, I went I went and looked at some peer-reviewed scientific articles uh, where where, where scientists had done an evaluation to, to actually test it. And, and what, what you find is that the, the cucumber, particularly the continental cucumber, which has got a thin skin when, when compared to the Lebanon. We could go on forever about cucumbers, but I won't. Um, but, but when you look at that cucumber and why it's wrapped, it's because of the long supply chain. It's got to go, we've, got to, we've got to grow the cucumber, right? Well, that, that's easy enough, I suppose. But once you pick that cucumber, it's... The, the clock's ticking on its longevity. And nobody wants to eat a rubbery cucumber. Um, so, so what we find is, and the, sci- uh, the scientific evidence is there, is that the cucumber unwrapped, the continental cucumber unwrapped, lasts about four days, but the wrapped cucumber lasts about 11 days. And what that does is it, it, it actually reduces food wastage. Um, and if we can have recycling programs for that type of packaging, then we have a win-win situation. And I think anyone that grows their own food um, attests uh, to what Rob's saying. I grow cucumbers um, in the backyard, and uh, Rob's right. As soon as you you cut it off the vine, uh, the clock starts ticking. And I know how long cucumbers last uh, in our house, not very long at all, but if it was left on the shelf, it would deteriorate over time. So the next best alternative to picking fresh cucumbers out of my backyard is to get them from a supermarket uh, in the same quality as if they were fresh picked. The next best alternative for fresh picked is wrapped in plastic. Hmm. So I think, um, and we've touched a little bit in in talking about this on the concept of the waste hierarchy. And, and Peter, I know you and I talk about the waste hierarchy, but perhaps for anyone listening to the podcast today that doesn't understand that, perhaps you could just step through the key elements of the waste hierarchy. Sure. The waste hierarchy was developed as a way of explaining how we use resources and energy more efficiently as a species, as people. And it's a guide that helps us understand when we need to make decisions about materials or resources, how we should use them. So it basically steps through, if you're going to use a given resource for a given application, you look at whether or not you can eliminate that material or or the product itself, 
whether you can reduce the amount of material that's used in manufacturing something, uh, whether you can reuse that material. So a good example of reuse is uh, Tupperware lunch containers or the wheelie bins outside your house. So if you can reuse them, then you don't have to uh, use material to make a new one every time. And at the end of a productive life, then you want to keep that material in the cycle, including the carbon in the cycle for as long as possible. So mechanically uh, recycling a product, whether it's plastic or timber or steel, makes a lot of sense. If you can't mechanically recycle something because you can't get it back uh, or because it's contaminated, then you have options beyond that. So the options beyond that are recovering the energy from something, and a lot of energy recovery happens in countries other than Australia. You can then use chemical processing to uh, reduce the rest of it. Composting allows you to bring out uh, some other attributes, and then landfill. So stepping through that, um, through that structured way of thinking about resources and energy allows us to continue delivering the products that we need to have a uh, a high standard of living, but not wasting the resources at the end of life. So it really is a guidance that makes a lot of sense and it stood the test of time. And I can certainly attest just, just having conversations uh, uh, with, with other industry members who are part of um, um, Plastic Stewardship Australia that, that our, our, our member companies and certainly from a recent visit to the, the, um, the large plastic show in Dusseldorf, Germany, just about every major chemical and plastics company is working on recycling solutions. So there's a lot of activity uh, in the industry and we're, we're all looking for engagement with brand owners, with, with waste managers and recyclers because we recognise what Peter was just talking about there with, with respect to the waste hierarchy. So I, I don't think single, I think single use is not a dirty word because single use has its, uh, has its place. It certainly has its place in food packaging for preservation, in, in medical applications. I mean, look, look, look what we see on the TV today. People, you know, healthcare workers need to be protected uh, and you, you're not going to be sort of looking to rewash a lot of that stuff uh, under those sort of circumstances. So um, waste hierarchy is, is, is paramount. And, and it's not just waste hierarchy in, you, in, um, in how you design something out of plastic. It, it's about how you design any material. So for example, if you've got um, a bottle, say a glass bottle, plastic is a sixth of the weight of the glass bottle. So it's not just in designing things that replace plastics, but you, you can choose to use the waste hierarchy as long as you understand the whole life cycle to say what's the best material for a given application. And I think as the concern around a material, at the moment it's plastic, having that disciplined, evidence-based approach so that when people make decisions, we know that we're making the right decisions uh, that, that are going to stand up. And our legacy should be a really informed set of uh, choices that we leave the world in a better place and our generation's under a bit of pressure to do that. So if we don't have those principles and guidelines, um, then we're stuck for the next best alternative. Yes. So let's move on to perhaps a tricky issue um, around taxation and how we actually... So if we're looking to encourage recycling and encourage a change in behaviour about people um, not throwing um, plastic materials away, for example, what, what, what are your thoughts on whether or not we should have a tax um, on plastic? We really need to focus on supporting Australian industries to be part of the recycling of plastics revolution that is going to come. Um, so, so I, you know... Taxation is probably not going to assist in that area. So we, 
we, we need governments to invest more in waste collection and waste management infrastructure, and we need to invest in recycling, um, and, and we need to to basically value plastic waste and all other waste, for that matter, um, as as a as a, a renewable resource that we can we can access. So I think taxation is is probably not the way to go. Um, I think you know the, the, it, there's a there's a lot of issues with uh, with like about sixty percent of material that we use is packaged, but sixty percent of it comes from. Um, from overseas sources. So, I mean, I don't know how you, you would manage that. And we, what we really need to do is support local local industry and we need to develop local recycling industries. Yeah, Rob's right. It, it's hard to see how governments raising money on a material uh, is going to fix the problem effectively with products that are right at the other end of, of that value chain. So at the moment, uh, we need to use plastics and applications like drinking water. Uh, the UN tells us that there's about 2 billion people on the planet uh, that are water challenged uh, on a regular basis. So taxing a raw material that go, needs to go into providing uh, water solutions, uh, it's hard to see how that solves problems with infrastructure that we know about, we know where the problems are, we know how to resolve them. It's hard to see how raising money from one end of the value chain resolves what we know are resolvable problems at the other end. That seems not to make any sense at all. It, it's, it's a simplistic construct, but it's hard to actually align how it's going to make a difference. So let's shift gears and, and look at what the industry is currently doing to address the issues that we have today. So can you give me some of the examples about um, the industry-led action at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, locally, I mean, here here in Australia, we, we've got, as we've been talking about, we've got Plastic Stewardship Australia, and it's been set up to assist communities, industry and government develop solutions to su- support the sustainable use of plastics and the recovery of plastics. Um, one of the things that uh, Plastic Stewardship Australia and its members uh, wholeheartedly support is is Operation Clean Sweep, and together with uh, with Chemistry Australia and our, the, our partner Tangaroa Blue, um, operation the, the Operation Clean Sweep uh, program is really designed to prevent manufacturers and, and instruct manufacturers and guide manufacturers in preventing their plastic pellets being um, leaked into the environment and into ultimately into into waterways so so we feel that this is this is something that is well within our wheelhouse of control and so the industry is taking action and is uh, supporting operation clean sweep it's a really important initiative i know rob you and i were down um at the banks of the era probably 12 months ago and um I recall. I mean, we were surprised. So it's. It's. I think it's a really important initiative to. Um, it is. It's to in, support. Yeah, it's instructive. Keeping pellets out of the environment. Yeah, absolutely. It's really instructive when you go and actually get down on your hands and knees and 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 you know try and extract small plastic granules from from rock crevices and from uh, from from the beach. It's um. It's it's it really brings it home that we need to keep our materials out of the environment in that way. Um, so, I mean, one of the other things that we, we spoke about locally, but, but globally, um, you know, many of the members of uh, Chemistry Australia's Plastic Stewardship Australia group are, uh, are part of the Alliance to End Plastic Waste. Um, so this is an I- initiative that, that involves over 40 global companies from ranging from plastic manufacturers to uh, brand owners. Uh, and, and they've committed, we've committed uh, one point. 
$1.5 billion US dollars to develop infrastructure, particularly in the Asia-Pacific region, um, but develop infrastructure, support innovation, education, and facilitate cleanups as well. Um, and basically, uh, what, what we find is that probably from about a, you know, 11 rivers in the Asia-Pacific region, about 80% of plastic waste finds its way into the ocean. So if we can, if we can actually improve um, things like infrastructure in that part of the world, we can, we can reduce a lot of plastic pollution. And those initiatives are really important. Um, and they build on uh, a pretty strong legacy that the industry has had. Uh, but may not be less visible. So in 1998, uh, globally, the resin industry uh, introduced the Plastic Identification Code, and most people will, will be familiar with the, um, the chasing arrows, uh, the triangles around the, the letters 1 to 7. So that's been in place uh, for, for many years to help improve recycling outcomes because it tells people what resin type a product has been manufactured from. Uh, the Australian Packaging Covenant was set up in 1999 and Chemistry Australia's predecessor, PACIA, was a foundation signatory to that. Um, we've had a series of design for sustainability guides that help people use plastic to meet those sustainability outcomes. Uh, EPSA have looked after uh, recycling of expanded polystyrene in Australia for, uh, for decades and the Vinyl Council uh, have been actively involved in recycling flooring and lately in hospital waste. So there's a large number of programs that are already in place that people may not necessarily see. Mm. Um, the latest challenges that have been caused by China uh, introducing their ban on, the, on their imports of plastic waste uh, have focused quite rightly attention on how we deal with our waste indigenously uh, as well as a plastic pellet. So the good news is that there are programs in place and we're not um, beginning this journey from a standing start, uh, but more needs to be done. So finally, what do we hope to achieve from the discussions next week at the Plastic Summit? And I know, Peter, you're, you're actually speaking in one of the sessions, so perhaps... I'd ask you both just to comment on the sorts of things that we're hoping that will be achieved in next week's session. Yeah, sure. Look, I think the summit is is a good opportunity to bring together all the stakeholders that have got a contribution. From our perspective as an association, I think it's important to listen uh, to what others are doing uh, and how we can support their solutions and how we can contribute the unique solutions that this industry has to offer. Um, there's a lot of complexity around where plastic is used uh, and some of those end of life options need to be boosted up. But the good news is that a lot of people have got um, a real heart and a real interest in making improvements. And I think the forum is, is an excellent opportunity to bring people together and learn what we can do collectively rather than each of us having a go individually and hoping for the best. Uh, a more coordinated outcome, uh, I think, should give a much better result. And so we're interested in, in uh, providing our contributions um, as part of that overall effort. And I'm really proud that Plastic Stewardship Australia will be making its own pledge, uh, as will some of the members uh, of our group uh, as well. So that's, that's really fantastic. And I'm excited uh, that we are launching the Plastic Stewardship Australia website, which will provide um, significant resources for, for both the plastics industry, industry in general and community and government. The, the power of that website is really important. Generally, if you give good information to good people, you get better results. And so 
governments need good information for policy development and when we've listened to what people have needed from our industry, uh, the response has been providing the website uh, in part because people want to do the right thing. They don't have access to the sorts of information that we've got not only here in Australia, but we're part of a large global industry that has often worked through those issues that we're dealing with here on a larger scale with more complexity and they've come up with, with some really great options. So why reinvent the wheel? So the website is a central repository, not only of that information, but it's also a good way of showcasing the positive things that are, that, are, that are being done that people wouldn't necessarily know about. So I think it it provides people with a central uh, repository of information, but uh, it also lets them see what is being done that they can help contribute to. Robert Moran and Peter Burry, thank you for sharing your views with us. And if you'd like to read more about the work of Plastic Stewardship Australia, please visit the Chemistry Australia website at chemistryaustralia.org.au. You can find a copy of this podcast and future episodes on our website under the News and Events tab. That's all for this episode and thank you for listening. Goodbye until next time.